Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Look here. Today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. If you obey the Lord your God's commandments that I'm commanding you right now by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments, his regulations, and his case laws, then you will live and thrive, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and so are misled worshiping other gods and serving them, I'm telling you right now, that you will definitely die. You will not prolong your life on the fertile land that you are crossing the Jordan River to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by clinging to him. That's how you will survive and live long on the fertile land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The word of God for the people of God. Author of life, We thank you for your word, and we ask that as we reflect on it this morning, your spirit would be with us to transform us in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. For the last several weeks, we've been hearing from the ancient prophets who revealed God's truth to the people of Judah. Next week, we'll be celebrating Transfiguration Sunday, so we'll return to the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, which will carry us through Easter. But before we return to the New Testament, we're going to spend just a little bit of time with the other major aspect of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, or the Law. Jesus' ministry does draw heavily on the prophets, but he's also well-versed in the ethical instructions laid out in the books of Moses. That is to say, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. In fact, in some of the most dramatic moments of Jesus' ministry, he draws on Deuteronomy. When he's preparing to begin his ministry, he wanders in the desert where he's tempted by a demonic force, but he rebukes that force by invoking the words of Deuteronomy. When Jesus is asked what it means to keep the laws of God, he invokes the words of Deuteronomy to tell his listeners that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Therefore, in order to understand the life of Jesus Christ, we need to understand not just the words of the prophets, but also the words of the law. Which brings us to our passage today from Deuteronomy. There are two different ways for us to approach this book. 
The traditional reading is to understand that this text is the fi- are the final instructions that Moses imparts to the Hebrew people just before they enter into the promised land. The historical reading is to understand this text as a priestly reform of the law from the late first temple period. Both readings have something to offer us, and so we will look at each one in turn. In the traditional reading of this text, this entire book is an extended set of speeches from Moses to the Hebrew people at the end of their wandering through the wilderness. They had fled from Egypt. An entire generation had lived and died. Now, Moses, who had been told that he would lead his people to the promised land, but would not enter it himself, is giving them his final send-off. This moment marks the end of an era in the Hebrew Bible. It's a transition point between the time when the people were wanderers with no place to call their own and the conquest of the land on which they would leave their name. And in that transition moment, we are tuning in at the tail end. Once our reading today ends, there isn't much left to tell of Moses' story. He will announce that he's going to die before crossing the Jordan River. He will commission Joshua to be his successor. And then, after reading a poem that summarizes the blessing God has given the people, Moses will offer one final blessing before his death. From that point on, the story transitions into what we would likely think of as the histories, but that the Hebrew Bible groups as the former prophets. At this inflection point in the story of God's people, what is it that Moses actually tells the people? What is the capstone that he wants to leave on his life of leadership and instruction? It's a warning that he leaves the people with. If you want to find the Lord's favor in this new land, then you better walk the straight and narrow. Moses is looking out at the young adults that are following him. He's looking across the river to the land that they are about to enter. He's weighing the hope and the potential of their future against the grief and the loss that he has witnessed in his own life. And so the words that he chooses to leave them with are words of caution. If you do the things that God has asked of us, then life and blessing is what you will find. Love God, keep the commandments, walk in the ways of holiness. If and only if you do these things, will you receive the blessings that God has promised us. But Moses had seen his friends, his family, his people, and himself fall short of these expectations so many times in his long life. And so he reminds those who are following him what happens when God isn't obeyed. If you turn away, One can almost see the image of golden calves and rotting manna flashing through his mind. If you turn away and you worship other gods, you will only find death. 
Instead of blessings, you will be cursed. Moses is offering a word of hope, but it's not naive. He knows and has witnessed the power of God. He knows that when the people are faithful, then God is faithful. But he knows and has witnessed what happens when the people turn away. So he will not let his people go on without hearing the wisdom of his experience. Potential, promise, blessings, maybe. But potential has to be lived into. Promises have to be kept on both ends. Blessings have to be shared. We know how the story ends. We've heard from the prophets who tried desperately to keep their people on the straight and narrow. We've seen the consequences of death that come from abandoning the ways of holiness. So too did the author of Deuteronomy. If you are in our Bible study on the book of Kings, then you may recall the history of this particular book. The way that the story goes in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 is that in the days of King Josiah, the high priest Hilkiah found a lost book of law in the temple. Josiah then reads from this miraculously discovered book of law to radically reform and transform Judean society. Taking a step back, what we see paints a picture that's a little more clear. Josiah became the king at the age of eight because his father had been assassinated after a short reign of terror that continued the brutal style of reign that had characterized his father's reign as well. It's in this environment that the priests mysteriously discover a heretofore unknown book of law to reform the Levitical codes. These reforms also happen to be much more favorable to the poor and marginalized segments of society that had already conspired to kill one king. And in addition to social reform, we can understand why the Deuteronomist would frame the rhetoric of Moses in the way that he does. When Moses issues a warning that death and curse are the consequences of disloyalty, it's grounded in the history of the kingdoms. Judah is the product of a civil war that permanently fractured the Hebrew kingdom. The northern kingdom of, Assyri of, of Israel had already been destroyed by the Assyrians by the time that Josiah took the throne. The mighty empires of Egypt and Babylon were an ever-present existential threat to the kingdom of Judah. And so, just like the prophets, the Deuteronomist is offering a solution to the people. The Deuteronomist says, we've not kept our covenant with God. We have not kept the commandments. Too many of our kings have worshipped other gods. Too many of our priests worshipped at the altars of power and greed. So we have a choice. We follow the commandments of God we do justice, embrace love, and walk with God. Or we continue down the path of destruction. We continue to serve our own interest, to neglect the cries of the needy, to be enslaved to the power of sin and death. 
we know how the story goes. We know that for a while the kingdom reforms, tries to walk upright in the ways of the Lord, but the pull of idolatry is strong and the path of injustice is easy. Which brings the story to us today. Whether we read it from the traditional perspective or from the historical perspective, we can see the timelessness of this message set before each and every one of us is life and death, blessing and curse. If we walk in God's ways, we will find life and blessing. In our Bible study this week, we looked at some words from Joel that suggest a similar tone, a tone perhaps unfamiliar in much of American Christianity, that our salvation is not unconditional. God's desire is to love us, to reconcile with us, to be in relationship with us. But that desire is not without condition. Those of you that have been studying James know that faith requires work. And in Joel, we saw the mirror that good works require faith. In other words, life and blessing require a response on our part. God's power and presence are working on us before we even realize it. But once we do realize it, we're called to act. St. Augustine once wrote that God created us without us, but he did not will to save us without us. And I want you to hear this as the good news that it is. We are never beyond saving. We always have the choice in every day, in every hour, in every moment to walk in the way of God. I also find deep comfort in acknowledging the reality that salvation is a struggle. I have hope in the kingdom, in God's redeeming power, in the truth that Christ triumphs over death, but that hope is also aware of the brokenness of the world in which we live. So in those moments when holiness seems like a burden, when doubt tries to creep into my mind, I can find refuge in the wisdom of Moses. Life and death are set before me. Life won't just fall into my lap. Blessings don't come easy. I have to work. And I'm blessed to work in the struggle alongside each and every one of you. And we are blessed that if we keep the faith, then God will keep the faith as well. For if God is for us, then who can be against us? Amen. Would you please pray with me? God of blessings and life, free us from the power of sin and death. Light your path before us. Keep us in the ways of holiness. When we turn away, call us back. When we feel overwhelmed, assure us of your presence. Amen.